You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Uh, there's no whole lot to talk about the Indians. We'll briefly discuss Yandy Diaz because I forgot to talk about him yesterday somehow. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the NL wildcard games today. And then lastly, we're going to play the last two interviews I have from my time down in Akron earlier this summer. So, Yandy Diaz goes into that game last night, and I'm talking about everything else that Tampa did. He only hits a pair of home runs. He had two home runs in that wildcard game. He hit one the year before with Cleveland. He's always had really good exit velocity, um, but Tampa really did a nice job helping him tap into power. It is crazy to me, though, how many people are still a detractor. I feel like... Yandy Diaz and Corey Kluber have become the new Brian Shaw and Carlos Santana five years ago. These are the guys that everyone just wants to um, crap on constantly. So Diaz, another great game uh, for Tampa. Another one that just hurts uh, from the perspective of the Indians. Never giving him an opportunity, giving him away. And, again, it's one of those things where Terry Francona making statements about why he wasn't given an opportunity that don't gel with anything else I ever heard. Uh, the, you know, the defensive questions about him uh, are run contrary to everything anyone ever said um, in my time around him or from opposing teams uh, in the minors. And it's just one of those things. When you get down to it, um, that feels like one that is just another thing to kind of put on the management situation that... Diaz never got that opportunity here and was shipped out of town because they knew he wasn't going to get it. Um, it, That's unfortunate. So today's game, the Atlanta Braves have already lost. It was uh, a little weird for me as I was looking at that box score to see that they went with uh, Dallas Keuchel. I I understand that he has the postseason experience, and both teams in this game went to their, their pen heavily, and people were like, oh, Ronald Acuna didn't run something out. And Acuna still went three for four with a loss this game. Like, yeah, he should run things out. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to sit there and call him out as your teammate, then you better have done something in that game. Uh, it's interesting to see, you know, the Indians played the um, the flea market uh, approach to free agency. And that's how we had the Brad Miller, the Hanley Ramirez, the Carlos Gonzalez. Someone they had deep into camp and then didn't keep is Matt Joyce, who started a playoff game for the Atlanta Braves and was a starter for them all year. So they let all of these guys come in and, um, you know, get a chance to to play with the team. And the one that was actually pretty decent uh, ends up, the Indians let him go. He goes to the Giants. Minor trade to the Braves. And, uh, I mean, over 200 bats and 130 games was extremely effective. Enough so that in the first game of their division series, he not only is he hitting, but he's hitting sixth. You know, he's, he's hitting relatively high in that lineup for that team. Ahead of guys like Brian McCann and Dansby Swanson. Um, a lot of pitchers in this. I thought it's also interesting because I've talked about the ridiculous depth that the Cardinals have. Um, man, what Tommy Edmond has been for them this year. Uh, Ty O'Neill didn't even make their postseason roster. That's how much outfield depth the Cardinals have shown. 
both these teams are a little light on pitching, so it'll be interesting to see going forward. Not really a true ace on either squad, but there is always the hope if you're a Braves fan, Soraka will get there someday. The weirder game is the Washington Nationals game, which is currently ongoing. Um, so the Dodgers pitching staff is phenomenal. Uh, still, Walker Bueller is an interesting choice, but I kind of get it because... You know, it's the lowest home run rate of any of those starters, second lowest walk rate, second highest strikeout rate. Uh, they still got, you know, Hui Jin Rio. They've still got Kershaw. Rich Hill was super effective in his limited time uh, before his injury. Ross Stripling was extremely effective when he had to come in. Um, I mean, Julio Reyes, there was a reason why he was a top prospect for a while. He's looked really good. Uh, the pitching is just ridiculous. Uh, the bullpen can still use some assistance, and but but there are parts and pieces in there. Um, but what's crazy about this game to me is okay, so you got Walker Bueller who's like untouchable through six innings. Um, Adam Kalarik, who they got, I believe in a trade with uh, Tampa Bay, pretty solid reliever for them. And then they go to Kenta Maeda. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know he was someone I was. If the Indians and Dodgers did a trade. I always like Maeda because he's a solid back-end starter. Probably a four. Not really a five. A solid four who's on a ridiculously cheap deal. And they go to, to those guys, and no one gives up a run through uh, eight innings. On the other side of things, Patrick Corbin is really good for the Nationals. They get in a situation where, I mean, it, the choices in this one just kind of uh, make my head hurt. So, you were down 2 nothing, uh in this game. And uh, let's see, I just want to make sure I have everything set up correctly. Uh, it's still, I mean, just w- watching how this unfolded made my, again, head hurt. Because it revolves around Tanner Rainey and his um, his questionable, like, the number, like, you look at some of the compiling numbers and they speak relatively high of him because he does miss a lot of bats. He does not give up a lot of hits. There's, um... There's a lot of reasons why Tanner Rainey presents better than he is, but he's almost an unusable pen arm for a couple of reasons. You know, his ERA plus was the best of anyone in the uh, the Nationals' pen amongst their top five or so pen arms, uh, highest strikeout rate. But uh, yeah, it's his walk rate is seven point one. That's right, seven point one per nine. I don't know if I've ever seen it that high in a major leaguer. Uh, you know, he's always had good stuff, but he has no idea where to put it. Uh, 13.8 strikeouts. I mean, that's that's good, but let's go into the sixth inning here just because I have to talk about this as, like, the not-so-smart managing moment, I feel like. So here we are in the seventh inning. Uh, you pull out Corbin from the game uh, because you had pinch hit for him earlier, uh, and you bring in Tanner Rainey, who's one of your more effective pen arms. Now, the National 10 was so bad, they traded for three, maybe four arms at the deadline, trying to find a way to make it work without giving up any value. It's a, not a, it's one of the most shallow minor league systems, so it, it just limits what they could have done. But So Rainey strikes, Rainey, Rainey strikes out Pollock, uh, walks Peterson, and then gives up a single. So mound visit, they change and get Fernando Rodney, another walk-prone hitter. He also misses bats, so strike out of Bellinger. You almost want to consider it excess, but walk and then a single, putting LA up for nothing before a ground out to end it. 
That's the problem. In the playoffs, you rely on your pen so much more. You need to have people you can count on. And the Nationals are a team that's pen has been an issue for three or four years running um, and just continues to be that way for them. They're, it's continually an Achilles heel. And it looks like it's going to be in this game. What is not a weakness is Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is their sponsor. They are one of the places you can go to get tickets. It's pretty self-explanatory there. Not just sports. For any event that you can... Uh, you, purchase tickets for you can go to vivid seats and they have a built-in system that rewards you for returning so the more you use vivid seats the better the rewards and it that that alone makes them better than any other service out there because uh you're getting something extra for uh using them repeatedly and right now you're getting even more extra because if you go to vivid seats and you use the promo code postseason they are our postseason sponsor over here on lockdown use that promo code postseason you're up to a hundred dollars off your tickets so if you are going to go buy tickets, you owe it to yourself to go use Vivid Seats right now because that coupon code alone is going to make it more than worth it. And they believe once you start using them, you will keep using them because of the quality of their product. Remember, that is VividSeats.com promo code postseason. So before I get into the interviews, I want to talk a little bit about the Francisco Lindor situation. Uh, every few months, the anger boils over about the fact that Francisco Lindor is likely um, entering his final year as an Indian. Uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason in regards to Lindor because for as much as people are mad about, like, oh, they're going to let Lindor walk, um, there's a chance the Houston Astros trade George Springer, and Boston is already talking about trading Mookie Betts, and uh, Lindor might be better than Betts. He might also not be better than Betts. I mean, Betts is a, is a better hitter. Um, and both those teams are much larger markets, and they're like, well, we can't re-sign our talent. <laughs> it's not just the Indians going through that, but why it's important with Betts and Springer is they're both entering their free agent year, so it's a, if either of those guys get moved in this offseason, that's going to set the value for a player like Lindor in a year. Um, the Indians are in a place where you know, the White Sox could improve drastically. They are a large market team that does not want to spend like a large market team, their offense is really exciting. They have some young pitching. If they add pitching, uh, the Twins continue to grow. The Tigers aren't going to be... And the Indians got fat on the Tigers this year. The ti- you're not going to go 17-1 against the Tigers next year. You know, especially with guys like Casey Mize and Matt Manning getting close. You're, you're going to face... You add those guys in with Boyd and Turnbull. All of a sudden, you have the makings of a rotation. Um, Hitting is still going to be an issue. But the, the point is, all of these teams are going to show improvement and some of it dramatic. So if you are an Indians fan, I mean, there, there's a possibility by next July the Indians aren't in the postseason hunt. I mean, it, it could happen. Uh, we'll have to see, but it, there's a chance that Lindor could be traded by next July. Um, but we'll see what bets in Springer, specifically those situations, how they play out, because that's going to affect Lindor in a year. Because I think, you know, he he brings a little more value if you get a full season of him, plus then you can offer him salary arbitration and get that pick back. So the value jumps at that point. Um, we've seen guys like Machado and Darvish essentially net one B-level prospect and some interesting like CD prospects. So you, you can't wait. That, that's part of the problem. But for as much as people get mad, it's, you know, we're sitting here Washington Nationals. That is a large market team uh, that has spent heavily in free agency that lost the face of their franchise a year ago and Bryce Harper. And could lose Anthony Rendon, who's taken over as the face of the franchise, um, who's having a top-five MVP season back-to-back years. 
talked about Boston, who won the World Series a year ago and is now going to look to trade their MVP this offseason, who's a you know 20-year-old player in his prime. Uh, Houston is going to let Garrett Cole and Wade Miley walk, two-fifths of their rotation. And they're talking about trading Springer because, again, they, he's going to be a free agent in a year, and they're afraid of you know the cost and just looping back around to Lindor. What a draft class. Springer, Lindor, and Rendon were all in that draft class. Um, Garrett Cole, also in that draft class. Just looking at the free agency stuff. Trevor Bauer, um, the, the late Jose Fernandez, Javi Baez. Mookie Betts was in that draft class in the second round. Um, Sonny Gray is starting to turn it back around. There, it, that, uh, that 2011 draft is likely the best of the last 20 years I've seen, just in terms of that. If you go and do a, a, a redraft, it's, it's ridiculous, and it's all the more painful if you're a Kansas City Royals fan and, you know, they took Bubba Starling, who is finally looking like a fourth outfielder, or if you're a Seattle Mariners fan and you're picking third, and you got Danny Holtzen, who continues to be part of that Virginia curse, or even, like, Arizona. They had a pair of top uh, top ten picks that year. Uh, the first one, they take Trevor Bauer, and then they trade him away, um, essentially for D.D. Gregarious, who they then flip for Robbie Ray. Power is better than Ray. Like, it's just that didn't, they didn't, they got very little value from the player they drafted. They were able to flip him for other assets. But they got very little value for that. And the next one, Archie Bradley, has been a little inconsistent. He finally looked like, you know, maybe he's going to be a solid reliever this year. But uh, two top 10 picks in the top draft of the last 15 years or so. And that's all you have to show. That's almost as bad as the Brewers, who uh, I believe it was that year as well, had a pair of first-round picks in the teens and took uh, Taylor Youngman and Jed Bradley. Uh, if you don't remember them, that's fine. Most people don't. Uh, it, it, that's what hurts when you have a historical draft and the teams fail to hit. Indians fans should know all about that because we're also Browns fans, so we've seen that happen often over the years. Um, we'll continue to study the postseason going forward. We'll talk about any news relating to the Indians as things develop. And, uh, you know, I want to always, as always, thank you, the listeners, for listening. And remember... Go Tribe. We're now going to end with some interviews. I got Alex Call, uh, outfielder, who they somehow convinced uh, the Chicago White Sox to trade a decent prospect and take on Yonder Alonso's, Alonso's full contract this year. And the others are Sam Hentges, the big lefty, who's one of the better left-handed pitching prospects in the Indian system. To take because you guys played so well for Yeah, I mean, it's tough. We're playing good baseball. Guys, are, I mean, we had a great uh, outing by Sam today, and uh, we had confidence in our guys. We were going to shut it down, and they put together good at bats. And sometimes that's just the way it goes. How do you bounce back on this? Do you forget about this? Do you think about it for 24 hours, come back? Is that when you just throw away? What do you do? I mean, it's it's going to hurt for a couple minutes, but um, you know, once you hit the showers, you uh, you just got to move on, and uh, you know, we'll come. We'll come ready to play tomorrow. Uh, we've been playing some really good baseball, and uh, you know I think we're gonna, we'll find a way to uh, get it done. Your pitchers throw 17 strikeouts, which is a season high. 
same time those blocks kill you. Man. It's kind of like, for lack of a better word, a microcosm of what's been going on this season where you guys do 98% right last 2% kind of bite you in the butt. Yeah, no, you're, I think you're pretty spot on there. It's whether it's uh, one play or one pitch or one uh, at-bat, you know, it comes down to a game of inches. I mean, I was talking with Ernie about it in the dugout, uh, how you know, beautiful this game is, uh, how frustrating it can be. Um, because we are very close, and you can see it. We went on a four-game win streak and um, come back and lose a couple one-run games, uh, you know. But uh, like I said, we got we got a lot of confidence. We got a great group of guys, and uh, we'll, we'll go out there and get them all. You had the big hit today. When uh, were you coming up looking for something? And the minute you hit it, did you know you had something? Uh, well, I mean, I was just you know, trying to get a pitch and got to a two-strike count. Um just trying to battle and laid a curveball slider in there and uh, yeah I hit it I was hoping hoping it would go out um, but uh, it's a pretty big part to left field we actually it. thought it had, did go out up in the press box yeah, to be honest and the uh, wind blowing in slightly from left so doesn't help my cause but uh, I was glad Marks could get around and score big credit to him for scoring for first with only one out um, so you know and then Mitch bringing me in we were able to get on on the board and uh, get up. So, you know, fun fun day and uh, glad to be able to contribute. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. And what was working for you? How nice was it to kind of get on that roll and stay on that roll? Um, it was good. I think our, our pitch mix early was good. Uh, to some specific hitters, we were mixing it up, whether it was a cutter, the change up, or the curveball. Um, and the fastball was working, working early in counts, uh, getting the two strikes decently quick. Um, again, I threw probably too many pitches for five innings, but I mean, just the, the overall mix of things was was pretty good today. The other thing was you were just getting that in the count. How big was that for you? How much was that kind of playing in your favor as well? Huge. I mean, it's anytime you're getting ahead, 0-1, 0-2, and in any game, I haven't been doing it a lot this year, um, so it's definitely it's a lot easier to pitch when you're ahead. The other side of this, pitching samples throw 17 strikeouts at the end, can't close it out. How much is that? I don't like I was telling you, for lack of a better word, how much of today's game was kind of a microcosm of what's going on this season, where 98% you do correct, and it's that 2% that kind of gets you. Um, I thought we threw the ball well today, uh, collectively. I mean, they, like you said, a lot of strikeouts. Anytime you have that many strikeouts in a game, as a pitching staff, it's it's nice. Um, sometimes you just can't close it out, and that's that's how the game goes. Um, but overall, I think we did we did a good job on the bump today. Nine strikeouts, a uh, season high for you in Akron, and one walk is one of the lower totals. What was really clicking for you today, or anything in particular to to have one of your strongest starts of the year? Um, like I said, I think just just getting ahead of hitters, it's a lot a lot easier to pitch when you're ahead. Um, and then having the ability to, to put them away when you're ahead too, and that's also something I haven't been doing a great job of uh, so far this year. Um, but, yeah, just getting ahead and, and putting them away in as few, few pitches as possible. And for fans who aren't as familiar, can you just describe your pitch mix just so they can kind of um, I have know a, a four-seam fastball. I throw a, a cutter, a curveball, and a changeup. Awesome. Thank you. No problem. Thank you, guys. Thank you.